Cobra Command, take to the skies on a daring rescue mission. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. And I'm Sean. And that's it. That's everybody. Because everyone else has abandoned us. Why have you forsaken me? Uh, not necessarily true. They'll probably be back in another episode, maybe even next episode. Who can say? Uh, but right now, you have the pleasure of listening to just me and Sean hash out the details of Cobra Command. It's always an intimate time if you listen to this with uh, like just a little bit of wine and candlelight. It's it's always a good time. Uh, Sean, I publish the episodes at 8 in the morning on Fridays. Uh, well, if you black out the windows and you start early, um, you can still do that. All right, all right. Uh, you know, we're talking about a Data East game here. Do you look for that label at all? Do you ever care about who made the game before you start playing these games on Nostalgia? Yeah, and I would say that Data East is one of those companies that I prefer not make my games. Yeah, they don't have a great uh, track record. Even I think I knew that even going into Nostalgia when we started doing this show, but it really has uh, like stuck out as a name that like that. And I think just for some reason, Micronics comes to mind too. It's yeah. just like a company I didn't like. I would say the same about both. Yeah. Yeah. So when I see the logo. Uh, for Data East, I, it, it's it's not welcoming. It doesn't make me think like I'm about to have a good experience. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good uh, of a good modern uh, analog to that, and I know that there are many. I just can't really think of any. Like, what's what's a good modern terrible game? You know, I don't know. Studio, if it's, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, studio, right? Because I would say that like. You know, nowadays, nothing uh, that I would purchase would line up with, like, data. You know, like, you, we've trained ourselves to yeah. know at, at this age what kind of games we're going to like. Honestly, when was the last time you bought a game at full price and said, I hate this? Uh, you know, it was probably Xbox and PS2 era, I think. Yeah, because we were still young enough at that time that, like, you could be fooled by, like, a movie tie-in game yeah. or, like... You know, the the sports game of the year would fool you into thinking, like, well, it's another year, so it's going to be better. And then they actually, like, remove features. Mm-hmm. So I, I think things like that happen, but I actually can't think about the last time I paid $60 for a game and had to, like, return it. Yeah. No, I, I'm on the same page there, but, you know, the, but we get to relive it with the data used. Yeah, now imagine you paid $60 for Cobra Command. And you get to listen to us talk about it for an additional 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> That's a, This is a role-playing podcast. We like to uh, put people in the zone. <laughs> Sean, what is Cobra Command? Cobra Command is a... Uh, it's, it's basically a... I, I guess it's a shmup with adventure elements. It's like... Uh, if, if you just removed all of the context and you were just watching something marked as like player character and it would almost look like a it's just a helicopter adventure game i guess yeah it does have a feel of a shmup but actually i the more i played the game i didn't put it there you know like i yeah. thought it was a shmup going in but it really is more of a action adventure game where you're like 
you're saving hostages and you're shooting down enemies and yeah it's like separated through stages but it's not so like it's not like area one area two like it does it does have like a seamless nature of storytelling to it so i i put it more in the action adventure column i think i'd agree and, you know, a helicopter, that's something different. I think, like, the other helicopter games that we played were, like, Tiger Heli, uh, which was a di- which was definitely a shmup, but that was a uh, a vertical shmup where, uh, you know, you, you didn't have to worry about... I think you could shoot on land and uh, in the air. Yes. But you didn't have to worry about, like, anything other than just making it to the end of the stage. You could choose not to shoot anything. Yeah. So we have that, which is a bit more, uh, like, a like an expected, like what you would think of as a helicopter game. And then we had uh, one of my uh, personal favorites, uh, Raid on Bungling Bay, which was a lot more technical and kind of abstractly helicoptery. So uh, why do you what do you think about like the appeal of the helicopter? Like, is that an appealing thing for you to want to fly? Like, does that is that different than like a spaceship or just a normal fighter jet? Like, are you excited by controlling a helicopter? <laughs> um, I guess, like, just in the canon of video games, I I look forward to helicopters. I, but when I think about that, I just sort of think about, uh, like, uh, Vice City and Grand Theft Auto, uh, like, San Andreas. Like, I get the helicopter. You can do whatever you want with that. Um, but it, beyond that, I guess not really. But uh, I guess I don't know what my answer is. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like, uh, you know, in in a war setting... A helicopter is one of the, like, lesser appealing things that I'd want to be flying. <laughs> but there's, I mean, it's it's got novelty to it. Like, it's not a, it's not a plane. You can, you can go in any direction you want. I kind of get, I kind of get where they're coming from. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about the fact that you're also rescuing hostages, a helicopter makes sense for that kind of mission. You know, you can just, like, <laughs> stay stationary above the ground and drop a rope and then they come up and then you can... You know, there's room for them. I don't think that would be realistic in a fighter jet. <laughs> yeah, you can't really just hang a rope from a fighter jet and hope they pick it up at, like, Mach 5. Right. Uh, I think there was a game, though, where we were in, like, a spaceship that rescued hostages, right? Wasn't that uh, – I mean, there's so many of these. I can't I, even I was going to mention that I have – I did not expect there to be this many games in the NES, only a – like un- less than 200 games in we've got like three or four games where there's a rescue hostage mechanic that they just sort of like file in like th- it's just it's such a specific thing to well, see the, you so know, the, sev- the 1973 olympics are like fresh in people's minds at this time <laughs> so i think that's really just like what it came down to exactly you know, I think I think rescuing hostages was also a big thing in 80s movies. So that would explain, you know, because video games at this time are leveraging a lot of the popularity of, you know, that action blockbuster genre that kind of started in 85 and is now like booming. Yeah, I, I can I can buy that. Yeah. But what do you think about the setting of Indonesia and Thailand? <laughs> it, it's a it, it's sort of unsettling. Um that they've got such a specific like usually these games have been trying to shy away from making them uh contextual political. yeah political or contextual in the in the real world at all like usually it's like some stand in for the United States against some stand in for the Soviet uh, uh for the USSR uh but now that they're just going to say like yeah you're in Sumatra and Java and the South China Sea um it, 
It's interesting at the very least. <laughs> I, I don't think I can list many other games that take place in, like, Indonesia. No, no. You know, and I don't know uh, enough about, like, this area to know if, like, there was a conflict going on or not. Uh, but it just seems like a, a very specific choice. Tie that with the helicopter thing. I'm just not sure, like, American kids were ready for this game. I guess it's just, like, it's close enough to Vietnam while not being Vietnam. I mean, helicopters are big there, too. This is now, uh, this is now hardcore history. Uh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you know, to get away from hardcore history, you are General Stephen Power nice, in this I, game. It's a great that, name. Yeah, great name, right? Does it matter? Do you care about, like, the names of made-up characters in these NES games where the story is all told in the manual? This isn't a ridiculous enough name for me to care. If it's a super ridiculous name, then yes, hell yes. Right, because I, I, I read in the manual, you know, just the, the backstory and the Stephen Power thing. And Stephen Power, first off, reminds me of that uh, when Homer becomes Max Power. Uh, that's like, <laughs> that would have been a better pun there. But, uh, you know, I just don't think like, just say it's me. Just say like, I have to be in the helicopter doing all this crazy shit. That that would make me feel better when I was if I was a kid during this, yeah. So we're talking about the helicopter a lot. Let's talk about how it actually controls in the game because there there is an interesting mechanic of like you know it it tries to simulate how you would be flying a helicopter in a side scrolling two D fashion where as you're moving the helicopter kind of leans yeah. uh, forward or back depending on your momentum and then that also controls like how you shoot. Because if the helicopter's leaning, you wouldn't be able to necessarily shoot a straight shot. What'd you think of that? I, I kind of liked it. Uh, it. It made it feel a bit more dynamic, and it definitely raises the skill ceiling. Um, because I, whenever I, I actually don't know. Uh, yeah, the, in the uh, Tiger Heli, I think he just fired straight ahead, and if you dropped a bomb, it would drop like five pixels ahead or something along those lines. Um, I, I kind of like that there's a bit more to it than just uh, it being a one-to-one -one relationship to like where your character is on the screen to where you're shooting. It's weird at first, you know? Like, it takes some getting used to, and to be honest, I actually I was not a big fan of it at first until I realized that, you know, if the motions of your helicopter like sway and they have like uh, you know you have to aim with that in mind it, it you have to like you have to take the game slow you're a helicopter you're not that fighter jet so you can't be just like cruising through all yeah. the various enemies you kind of have to like find your enemy lock into them and take them down and then progress as, as you move on did you find that as well yeah in the very beginning when i was getting used to it it, it felt like because the way the enemies spawn in this game, I think it's just based on, like, your position. And then if you move back and forth, that enemy will spawn again. Um, but it felt like the timing of enemy spawns made it so that you had to literally crawl through the level. It was like every, uh, every like, quarter second of scroll time, there'd be a new helicopter that you have to, like, stop aim and fire at so it, it kind of like it's not great for pacing like i think if they if they switched the the spawn mechanics up a little bit it would feel a little bit more fluid but yeah if you're going for this uh, uh a bit more like precise and you're not supposed to be going at this at 100 miles an hour then i guess they did the job 
Right, and, and I I can't say whether that was actually like an improvement or not. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a form of realism, but <laughs> uh, you know, I, to go back to your spawning thing, I found that to be a major problem because when I was playing the game fast, or even if I was getting tired of being slow for a minute and just kind of wanted to chug through the next section, I found it very hard to dodge things in this game. So it, it, it sort of had two different. I had two different feelings, kind of exact opposite of each other. Uh, yeah, it's hard to do that, but there are also sections in this game where you could just ignore, you could just ignore enemies because enemies don't really linger. If, if you're, if you're going towards a, uh, another helicopter, they're just gonna fly past you, and it's not until the later levels that you get ones that are, uh, that are sort of trying to get in your way more. So, in some instances, it could feel way too easy if you just ignore everything, like in a lot of games that we've played. Uh, but, uh, it, th- yeah, it, it's just an uneven difficulty curve, I'd say. Yeah, I always feel like a game that um, that you can avoid uh, enemies, even though that might be helpful to, like, a player who needs a break. I always see that as just a bad sign for a game in general because it's kind of lazy game design philosophy to make it so that enemies don't necessarily matter and they're just pre-programmed to spawn in specific spots, you know? Yeah, you're just sort of... Uh, banking on the uh, the behaviors that people that play games do, just like, oh, I have to fight this thing, so I will, and not really realizing that, like, oh, I could just go past them. <laughs> right, and, and, you know, when you get damage uh, to your helicopter, it's, it's first off, it's nice that it's not just a one-shot kill, we're so used to that in games, but the helicopter will actually gradually start to catch on fire, and slowly descend if it's left alone. I've never seen something like that before in one of these <laughs> games, and I thought it was so cool that yeah. they uh, that they decided to do that. I like that a lot too. Like the there's a I think there's like two stages to uh, like visible damage. Like you can take a couple shots and you'll still look the same. But then on the first one, if you just leave your controller alone, you will very slowly start to descend, and you can kind of see fire or smoke and then another shot will make it so that no matter how hard you fight you're you're still going you're, you're like you're very slowly crashing and then the last one will blow you up um i i really like that too just for um just for the uh immersion of it um yeah there's like a sense of dread in the in that final one because you know it is interesting that you're able to control while still being on fire and you feel like this pushback but i think it's exactly when you hit like zero health so you're technically already dead but it lets you like it lets that sink in yeah for sure and i i don't know how other games would have applied that so far it's it would be weird with like a uh, a human protagonist to do something like that where they start like stumbling and <laughs> yeah. then they fall to the ground or something like that would be uh maybe too creepy for an <laughs> nes game yeah but it's done really nicely here and that kind of makes me wish that it also happened to enemies oh yeah um yeah I, that that does make sense they uh, just kind of vanish right they almost like evaporate when you hit them yeah they don't but, even but- have like an explosion or anything yeah, it's, it almost feels inconsequential whenever you do something uh, to an enemy. It's just like, oh, now it's gone. Um, but it's only because of the context of it happening to you that I guess it feels like that, though. You can fire both, um, I guess, like regular bullets and then uh, missiles as well uh, between A and B. 
uh, that, you know, that's pretty basic, and I like that you can fire them at the same time because I find myself just, like, hitting both across my thumb. Like, I just hold my thumb sideways instead and yeah. just spam it that way, and I'm fine with that. Like, you know, whatever. It's an, yeah. it's, it's arcadey in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the real meat and potatoes of this game is its upgrades. I mean, there's upgrades for the gun, the missile, the armor, the engine. Uh, you can even change how you rescue people, switching from a rope to an eventually upgraded ladder. Yeah, I, that's another, I, I do, I love upgrade systems, especially when you can sort of customize which one you want to use at that time, as opposed to it just being a pickup that, oh, this is you now. Um, so I think that allows a little bit more expression and uh, how you want to play the game. Um, I, I I guess I'll bring it up now. I really couldn't get that far in this game, though, as much as I've been talking about it. So I think I ran into a bug. Um, What's the bug? I so you know how you have to like blow the top off of these fortresses. Yes, to, which which we also have to talk about because they're not. It, you know, maybe some of them are, but not all of them are very clearly like labeled of yeah, when you should be breaking into these things. I mean, it's it's like it's talked about in the manual, but the mechanics of it aren't really spoken about. Like, there's like a little like uh, I forget what you would call it, like the a top hatch. piece. Yeah, like there's the the top piece uh, that you have to blow up, and that like destroys the bulk of the. Uh, of the fortress, then you can go down, and there's like a little section of underground helicoptering, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but the second one, like on the first level, I I just unloaded on this thing, and it wouldn't break. I don't know if I was shooting the wrong piece, if it wasn't like the very top piece, like the last one. But I spent like five lives, like a couple resets on this thing. I was just like. I, I don't know how to get past this. I don't know if it was a bug or if I'm just an idiot. Uh, so most of my research on this game had to be through watching people play because I probably spent 45 to an hour uh, just trying to get past that second, like, keystone. <laughs> yeah, was that the building one? Yeah, like it's like... Pyramid-looking it, thing? Not pyramid, uh, but, you know, made a... Made of some kind of coliseum yeah, structure. It, like if you, it's the first level, and if you try to go past it, you can't go past it. That's the end of the level. So, I I don't know if I just didn't really understand the like the uh, the layout of the level, or if if the game was fucking with me. But I don't know. You, I I mean, it seems like you didn't have that problem. Well, because what I was gonna say is, and this gets back to because I'm looking at it as an image now, and this gets back to what I was talking about earlier that these fortresses. Uh, you know, you would think like, oh, okay, well, maybe I shoot down the door or maybe I have to blow the whole thing up. Like maybe I have to do a certain amount of damage for that one. Specifically, you had to shoot. There was like a star on the top. Did yeah, you, that's did you what shoot? I was okay. shooting at. I okay, sh- no, I'm just making yeah. sure. I'm just making sure. <laughs> yeah. No, because, yeah, assuming that, you know, because that's what I was able to do. I, I shot the star. Uh, I, I'm assuming it's a star. It looks like a compass yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a starish thing. Yeah, and uh, eventually, like, the whole building will collapse, uh, so then you just go underground from there, but, you know, that that's, like, for me, that's a problem, because I guess, like, the star one, at least it's a star, but other times it's just, like, a circle or yeah, a very spot. specific, yeah, like, like a, a little outline on something. I, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't a big fan of this idea that uh, you couldn't just, like, fight a boss or something instead and then that would just like move you on to the next thing yeah it, it I, I maybe 
Yeah, I, I don't know if I was just playing it wrong or if it's the game's fault. I'm going to err on the side of I played it wrong, but it's very, it's a very odd situation for me to be like to to, to like have a game like stonewall me like that. I, I'm good at understanding games. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I, be- I bet you are. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was just weird that that happened to me. So and you like, used missiles. I used both. Uh, I was doing the same thing you were. I was, I was just Firing holding both, both yeah. buttons. Yeah, I was tapping both buttons. All right. Well, you know, I cannot solve your mystery here, but uh, maybe call the Nintendo Power Hotline. I get will get on the phone with them and uh, see what they have to say. Yeah. All right. So pretend, pretend though, for a minute that we were because uh, we were talking about the upgrades when this whole thing started. There, there's something about uh, having this many upgrades. I didn't, I didn't count them beforehand, but it's got to be over twenty plus upgrades in the game and even though they are like basic ideas of things like oh you start out with uh you know regular missiles and then you get two missiles and then it becomes a a firebomb thing that like it has an arc to it yeah it has like an arc to it the the fact that it, it it doesn't just like go from missiles to like you know this thing explodes everything on the screen the fact that there's actually progression throughout for each of your things too we're talking about the guns the missiles the armor like the fact that you have that across the game, I think actually gives some life uh, where this game might have otherwise felt tired after like stage two or three. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Like that's sort of what I uh, was getting at with the player expression thing. Like you can, like if you're not feeling shooting with the twin, you can you can uh, switch to like a different kind of uh, a different kind of missile. Uh, I, I'm always a fan of uh, that kind of customization. And that menu layout screen for all that information is really nice. Yeah, I like the design of it. I think that it's weird that uh, your heads-up display... Like, there's some information in that, in that menu that should just always be available to you. Like, the amount of uh, hits you have left is buried in there, like, in a sub-menu of the sub-menu. Okay, yeah, that's a good uh, point. Like that should just be in the bottom right corner. Like I think that's a uh, that is a trope of games that I don't I don't know why they tried to uh, move away from it. I, maybe it was again for that uh, that realism of not having a HUD, but that they're a little they're like thirty years early for that kind of talk. <laughs> right, right. I think they even have like there's a score hidden on on that menu too. Right, like that. Yeah, because it's never on the screen otherwise. And to be honest, like. That's a great compromise for everybody because some people back then liked high scores. Other people could care less about them. I think like, you know, just imagine if you after beating a game, it told you your score, but never while you were playing. Like, what do you think of that? I mean, that kind of feels like uh, like doesn't like kind of Resident Evil and like the Capcom games kind of do that. They'll at the end of a level, at least, will tell you like how good you how good you did. Like, oh, you got an A or you got. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that, right? So I mean, I, I, I'm used to that, but it, it's interesting in a game like this to see that. Yeah, because again, that's what makes it like a hybrid shmup uh, action adventure game.
the action adventure part of this, the rescuing the hostages and everything like that. I, I don't know now. Were, were you able to get to that part where you would rescue a hostage? Oh yeah, I, I rescued a good amount. Like in the like, there's that first uh, uh yeah, there's that first fortress that has the capstone. I was able to blow that one up, and I was able to go down and uh, rescue a bunch that sort of filed out of a underground building. Um, and it, you know, it felt. It felt fine. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't actually that satisfying. Yeah, you know, I I think they could have done something more with that, uh, especially with the fact that you have to like dangle this rope down and then they climb it. Like maybe I'm asking for too much, but it just it should have had like even like a sound or something to it to make it feel like you know you saved this person's day or something like that. It does do a very low uh, low bit rate. Um. Thank you. Oh, really? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> that's funny because I was yeah. I I must have not have been having my volume up high enough because I never I never heard it. But <laughs> I mean, uh, like it's okay, not. I appreciate it's not much. That. It's not much. I I mean, my problems with it is I think there should have been a bit more risk reward. Like it was like yeah, you got to go and get them, but the level isn't designed in a way that like this is in a riskier part of the map or you'll have to deal with this enemy to safely extract this uh this hostage it was just sort of a pickup well you know i think that's because this this hostage thing as like a as like a requirement part of the game was added into the nes version the arcade version i i can't say whether they had hostages or not but it was definitely just like a score bonus and not something that like you had to do i see yeah, yeah. Um, the arc- the arcade version actually like automatically scrolls. You have it's an it's an auto scroll. You have no choice but to just keep moving forward. And I find that to be very bizarre and probably an entirely different game. Yeah, that is weird that they decided to change that. Um, I mean, it, it, I guess it does make it a bit more unique that you can play this at your own pace. Um, I it just I I guess I allowed them for changing up that kind of. Uh, um, that kind of mechanic. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but seeing the little hostage guys and having just played Blaster Master, it made me kind of wish that there were sections in this game where you, <laughs> you like, dock the helicopter and get out and have to do, like, <laughs> some, you know, like, uh, uh, Ikari Warriors style gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that may, well, all, not all games can be Blaster Master, Mike. That's true, that's true, but it would have helped. It would have helped would have in, helped. in uh, Cobra Command's case. And, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I'm sure some people want us to, like, go more in-depth with the upgrades, but they're kind of, like, they're just uh, multipliers of, of the various things that you've already, uh, that you start out with, right? Yeah, I mean, it has the same effect as, like, that uh, increase in power as any other game that has them. I mean, it, it, it feels better than most uh, but it, there's nothing really new to what they're doing with the upgrades. Yeah, and we have a stationary final boss in this game. I I don't know how I like that's not very intimidating. Yeah, this is another thing that I haven't really liked in a lot of these games is uh, when you just end up fighting fortresses or just like yeah. Uh, what was the last game we played that it was like this? It was just like you have to shoot the things with the blinking lights. And there's no intimidation factor. There's no like, oh, wow, that's the boss. It's just, it's a thing. And you have to blow up the thing. Yep. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, uh, and I think that was like the case for most of this game. Um, you know, I never beat these games, so <laughs> I, I, I only have for reference, uh, you know, what I'm watching. But there's just something about like, I don't know, the every, all of the normal enemies in this game you take on, they move, they have life, they're realistic, they're like, you know, tanks and helicopters just like you. And then all of a sudden, there's just like... <laughs> just like me. Yeah, they're just like you. But then, like, all of a sudden, it just becomes about, like, these floating... These, like, heads that stick out of fortresses that, like, shoot beams at you. And I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> what happened to this game? It's realism, Mike. Yeah, it became a shell of itself. But maybe this is what happens in underground Thailand. Like, maybe there are bears that shoot fireballs. Are there bears? There's bear statues. See? Bears would be cool. Bear statues? Meh. Take it or leave it. <laughs> you know? I don't uh, I don't see the point in that. I think that this game should have ended with like a one-on-one helicopter showdown. That would have been really cool. I, the whole yeah, time I would be into it. The whole time you were fighting player two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another funny thing in the manual. It's like it has it set up. It's like describing what the controllers do. It's like controller one controls player one. Controller two does not control anybody. There is no second player. It's like <laughs> just it's scolding you for assuming there would be. I mean, yeah, I could, it's like I, I mean, I didn't. It didn't hurt my feelings that there wasn't a two-player mode, but it's odd that there wasn't. Yeah, it kind of uh, in a way it's acknowledging that it knows by now that two-player games are standard, but they refuse to include it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we know you were expecting a two-player game, so we did include a button layout for the second controller. Unfortunately, it does nothing. <laughs> Would you have liked this game more if it was called Stiffenwolf? I don't really know what you mean there. Uh, it Apparently, deep in the code for the game, there is another title screen that can be found called Stiffenwolf. Well, I, I, I guess uh, it sounds pretty... Like German, I guess. Uh, it's. I mean, I guess it, it reminds me more of Steppenwolf. Yes, um, I think so. <laughs> it also sounds like maybe a uh, like a naughty play on words there. <laughs> yeah, stiffen the wolf. I don't know what yeah. that means, but I don't know what that means either. But just like stiff, I guess wouldn't uh, necessarily fly with Nintendo. <laughs> I, I just don't. You know, this game was never referred to as Steppenwolf anywhere. So why have it in the game's code as like a fully designed title screen? Maybe it's a shout out to uh, Dr. Stefan Wolf, uh, who's an orthodontist in Munich, Germany. Oh, okay. I yeah. like that idea. I was thinking it was actually an Easter egg by um, by Zack Snyder for the Snyder Cut, <laughs> which features Stefan Wolf, yeah. the DC villain. Is that a DC villain? Yeah. I, I thought it was Ste- a band. It, it is. It's both. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are so many villains in comic books that they can be anything. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, like, my favorite's always Crazy Quilt. Crazy Quilt is up there. Uh, you know, I, we're not going to list them all off right now <laughs> because I literally just draw, drew a blank. But yeah. instead, we're going to uh, we're going to just talk about the essential games list, right? Yeah, about it. Yeah, let's just talk about it. It's a list where uh, Sean, myself, uh, Joe, when he decides to come back to the show, and Sam. When he uh, also, I guess, decides to come back. That's where we vote on whether these games are essential. And you know what, Sean? Let's do it. 
We're going to do it right now. Let's do the Essential Games List. Okay, real fast from me. Here's the thing about a game like Cobra Command. I know for a fact, after playing this game, that this was a game that I really enjoyed reading the manual, reading about like all the different things that could potentially happen in this game, looking at the upgrades, like, you know, oh my gosh, there's all these different stages, and it takes place in a unique setting, and you got to rescue these hostages. Like, all of this sounds so great. And it's not that the final product is bad, but... If I describe this game to you, there is a almost 100% chance that you're going to be let down by the way I describe it versus how it actually plays out. There's just something about the, uh, you know, I'm going to call it the game design here. The, the way that the game plays and the way that the enemies are placed and the, the length of the levels and the fact that it's not satisfy, satisfying to rescue hostages There's just something about all of that that puts together a very mediocre experience at the end of the day. And to be honest, I'd love to see another game try all the things that we talked about here, but that the final product actually plays well. Uh, I, I felt at the end of my Cobra Command play session that I knew this was going to be a game later on in Nostalgia where if somebody name dropped it, I would, I wouldn't even necessarily remember how the game played. And so for that reason, it can't be on the essential games list. Sean? And just like that, it is. Uh, it cannot be on the essential games list uh, since we have to have over fifty percent. Um, but I will. Uh, I'm gonna echo that. I mean, if this is a game, I mean, I actually was. I was pleasantly surprised by how the game played, from what I expected out of Data East, uh, from what I expected out of uh, the promotional material that I saw before I played the game. Um, it just seemed like it was going to be pretty blah. So I was actually like kind of into it until I either hit a bug or some rare instance where I was just lost in a game and couldn't read what it was trying to tell me and I had to stop. So just just by virtue of the fact that I couldn't progress means I can't put this on the essential games list at all. Um, you know, like it's, 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 not even in, it's not even in the running for that. So I, I guess I'm just going to have to agree with you there. Yeah, now a game called Cobra Commander, now that has a shot. (laughs) You know, a game where you command Cobras, or maybe you're the leader of Cobra Kai, or maybe you're the head villain um, of the G.I. Joes, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Okay, good. Like if it was some kind of open world uh, management game about, like, yeah, running that dojo, I would be really into that. Or just a, you know... Like a 4X game where you're trying to get all the cobras in the world to overtake the humans. I see when I when I think about it, if it was in that context, it would probably just be like you pretending to play a flute, and the cobra would come out of the jar or the basket or something. Like that's what I would think. Well, plastic instruments need to make a comeback, so a plastic flute accessory would be great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, a lot of people would want me to mention and I waited until after the Essential Games list, that there is another game called Choplifter that apparently a lot of people think Cobra Command ripped off Choplifter, which was a very successful uh, arcade game and had a lot of other ports on a bunch of different other systems. And and to be honest, 
all I, the only reason why I didn't really feel the need to talk about it earlier is because I, I checked that game out too, and it's about the same thing. So who cares if Cobra Command ripped it off if they're both virtually the same game? So that didn't come to NES? Uh, as far as I could tell, it did not come to the NES. Okay, well, at least yeah, we won't have to looks play like it, it again. Went, yeah, it went to the Sega Master System and the Apple II and the Commodore 64 and up oh, here it is finally it did come to the nes we will play this bad boy at some point can't wait for the deja vu yeah i don't even know when though because it's not on my list right now so we might be playing this game years from now <laughs> and we'll harken uh, back to this but you know what we do have some important news next week we are playing dr chaos i can't wait you sound very excited <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's one of those generically awesome sounding names that it makes it not sound awesome. Let me just ask you, though. <laughs> so, it's a video game, right? Dr. Chaos. Okay. If I told you it was a movie, would you be more inclined to watch that than to play the game called Dr. Chaos? <sighs> that, that's a or weird like, question. Would you listen to the band Dr. Chaos more than you would... You know, like, like which, <laughs> which like, thing would you rather... Would you rather listen to the album Dr. Chaos, the video game Dr. Chaos, or watch a movie called Dr. Chaos? I would listen to the album, because uh, I'm sure it would kind of sound like, uh, like Ween or something. Um, oh, interesting. I was thinking, like, a Megadeth feel. <laughs> like, I, literally, the guy on the Megadeth covers... You know, like that that guy it with just the bald sounds head too scientist. Hokey. I mean, Megadeth is hokey, but like, yeah, they're pretty hokey. But it just sounds more ho- even more hokey than that. I don't know. But well, we're gonna find fun. out if the game is hokey or not next week, and I guarantee you, very few people in our audience have played Doctor Chaos. This one, uh, just from reading the back of the box, seems like a bizarre one. So, uh, if you haven't played it yet, definitely play it before next week because. Um, Apparently, it's like the Goonies 2. So, go figure. Uh, Yeah, we'll find out for sure next episode. But I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter. Some people might have asked why Sean doesn't give out his Twitter handle. Sean, can you tell people why you don't give out your Twitter handle? I don't have a Twitter. You heard it from the man himself. He has a secret Twitter account that he doesn't want to follow. That is not true. It's not true. Who do you follow on your secret Twitter account? <laughs> uh, Is it me? Mogwai do you follow me at least? No, no, no. Just Mogwai. Oh, okay. The band yeah. from Scotland. Yeah. Mogwai, the band, and their first album, Dr. Chaos. <laughs> Mr. Beast. There you go. Uh, all right. And this has been Nostalgia. You can find us on Twitter at, at NostalgiaCast. We're posting cool stuff all the time, and we're posting brand new episodes every Friday at 8 in the morning. So bring your wine and close your curtains.